0: Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your
1: decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey, hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my show, Divorce Redefined. I am Cindy Stibbert and I am your host. And this is my very first talk radio show. I can't tell you how honored I am to be here and to be part of Voice America and their empowerment channel. And we're going to dig deep. On this show, we are going to dig deep into a topic that many of us feel really uncomfortable about. It's a topic that's highly stigmatized in our society and a topic that triggers even those of us who have gone through it and are well on the other side. And that is the topic of divorce. Divorce. So I am a certified divorce coach. I'm a certified divorce specialist. I'm also training as a discernment counselor. And I lived my life before this as an elementary school teacher for 20 years. And I'm also the CEO of another academic coaching company. So besides that, you know, I'm a mother. I'm a single mother. I have a mother. I'm a mother of two incredible children. I'm a partner, a daughter, a sister, an athlete, a lifelong learner, A visionary, a lover of good food, a wine drinker, and a bit of a truth teller. And on this show, we're going to dig deep into some some truths, my truths, your truths and others who like to share along the way. So to explain to you why we're here today, you know, one of my driving missions and what inspired me to start my professional practice, Divorce Redefined, is to increase the knowledge and understanding of both marriage and separation. When I found myself navigating the divorce process in my early 30s, I'm going to be honest, I was embarrassed, shocked, and terrified to discover how little I truly knew about the legal implications of marriage and what the divorce process actually entailed. So through my experience, I decided to create the kind of support that I needed when I was going through it and bring that support to you. So going forward on this journey, I'm going to be introducing you to incredible lineup of guests who have some critical and very valuable insight and advice to share we have high-powered divorce attorneys mediators a retired judge a divorce and custody expert an expert in high conflict divorce a trauma and relationship therapist dating coaches, and more. So if you want to see the full lineup over the next 13 weeks, head over to my Instagram page. It's at Divorce Redefined, and you will see the amazing guests that I have lined up, who I am so beyond honored to have on the show. And I can't wait for them, for you to meet them. Uh, But today, today, you get me all to yourself. And today is an introduction of you and me, and I'm going to give you a little bit of my backstory and my why for being here and why I want to bring you along on my journey. To start, I want to sort of dispel one of the leading misconceptions around divorce coaches, and that is if you work with a divorce coach, it means you're getting a divorce. Well, I'll tell you one thing right off the bat. As a divorce coach, I am in no way pro-divorce. Just because divorce was the right decision for me does not mean that it's the right decision for everyone. You know, mine was actually years in the making. And I'll tell you a little bit about that and probably more snippets along the way over the next little while. But this is not always the case for everyone. Everyone's story is unique. And in fact, for some, divorce may even be the wrong decision. But what I am though is pro-happiness, pro-empowerment, pro-mental and emotional health, pro-family, and pro-well-being. And whether that means staying married or getting separated, I not only have the firsthand experience with how it feels emotionally to go through it and how the process works systematically, but I also have the tools, education, expertise, and professional network to guide others in making decisions that they're comfortable with, decisions that are right for their family. I support them along the way so that it can all happen as smoothly, as rationally, and as cost-effectively as possible. Because let's not sugarcoat it. The end of a marriage is a big deal. And it's not something that one should enter in light, into lightly. You know, you've built a life with someone, you've created a home, and perhaps you're still raising children together. So the decision, as well as the process, deserves to be handled with care, maturity, and some thoughtful consideration. Unfortunately, and understandably, it doesn't happen all all the time that way when hurt, anger, resentment, and shame can get in the way. And a lot of it also comes down to the fear of the unknown. Because let's face it, we hate not knowing. As a coach, I work with many individuals who are just considering the idea of separation, but you feel really intimidated by the process and very paralyzed by the uncertainty of what's ahead. I mean, I get it. I've been there myself. I was completely terrified with what my life was going to look like after being a stay-at-home mom for 11 years. And creating this space here on Voice America, this platform and this radio show, this is a community where we can all come together. It's a safe, inclusive place that's free of judgment, free of assumptions, free of negativity, free of any expectations, free to be authentic, free to be honest, and just free to be you. We are here to support each other It's not going to be an ex-spouse bashing show. We are not a man or woman haters on here. And we're not here to deliberately throw anyone under the bus. You know, we're not here to condemn or criticize. But what we are here to do is to learn, to support, and to grow together. No matter where you are on this journey, no matter even if you're divorced or not, you belong here. And here is where you can be your authentic self, and you can live into your own truth, and you can be the leader of your own life, and we're gonna do that together. So of course, that's not to say that there's not gonna be some truth-telling in the show, some about myself, about my past, about my upbringing, about my marriage, about my divorce, even about my current co-parent perhaps, but I'll make the disclaimer right now that everything I share here is completely based on how I experienced it. It is my story, it is my truth, and just like your experiences and your truth, no one gets to tell you that you shouldn't feel a certain way, or that it didn't happen a certain way. It's your story, and you get to tell it, and this is my story, and I'm going to tell it my way, and I choose to offer you all the privilege of being here with me to hear it. So what happens when we own everything we are instead of justifying, defending, validating, or explaining it? You know, what happens when we own our story? I will be honest. I made a shit ton of mistakes in my marriage. Oh, by the way, we're going to swear a little bit on this show, so I hope that you're okay with that. Um, I was not the perfect wife. And I own all the ways that I contributed to the fallout of My marriage and how I did not show up as the best partner I could be. I own my part. And I was a very private person. I was a super private about the depth of struggle that was going on within myself within my marriage. And I chose to endure it alone for years, you know, for a variety of reasons. I convinced myself that being the best wife I could meant sweeping my own feelings under the rug, you know, to hide them from everyone, including including myself sometimes. You know, my job was to really rise above any obstacle that was in our way and to prove that, you know, I was above it, that I was better than it and I could handle anything. And I think I convinced myself that ignoring the hurt and pain and keeping so much to myself was what was making me strong. And that's what I needed people to see, but I was wrong. And while I had been home working to keep the foundation of my family secure, I was trying to ignore what was real. I was lying too. And I was lying to my family, my friends, my spouse, my kids, but especially to myself. You know, we all feel the need to justify our side of a story when something major in our lives happen. Maybe something tragic, something devastating. And I think I spent the first couple of years trying to defend my side about why I left my marriage. But what I came to realize is that I needed to stop justifying my side. You know, those who can't see both sides in a situation or who aren't willing to try don't deserve the privilege to hear your side anyways. The reality of it is you may never convince others that what you are feeling, what you are doing, or even who you are is good enough, but you don't need to. Other people's opinions of you doesn't matter. The only story you have to tell and the only opinion you need is your own. And by owning, I mean truly accepting and admitting and embracing the pieces of ourselves that make us unique without any expectation of praise or pity, defense or explanation or right or wrong. And you know, what I've learned is that the more powerful part of owning our story is speaking about those pieces that make us feel embarrassed, ashamed and insecure. You know, I'm gonna talk about some of those pieces for me and within myself on this journey and be brave enough to be vulnerable to share those with you. Being brave enough to bring our greatest weakness out of the darkness and into the light is our greatest strength. And when we can show the world how vulnerably real and human we are to crack ourselves open even for a moment, we can make all of us feel a little less alone. And the more I do this work, the more I realize that we aren't actually alone at all. On this show, as you're joining me for the first time, and thank you for that, we are going to talk about the hard things. We are going to talk about topics with the intention, of course, to inform, educate, and empower you. No matter where you are in your life, what you're struggling with in in your relationship, I would wager that you won't find yourself here at some point or at many points through our conversations. There's going to be topics, I'll tell you right now, that are going to resonate with you so deeply that you will feel like I'm telling your story. There's also going to be topics that are going to make you feel uncomfortable. And some of them may even piss you off. And that's good. That is entirely my mission here, to make you feel You know, and if I evoke emotion in you on any level, positive or negative, I am doing my job. And if you feel nothing, then please, no hard feelings. I'm okay if you pass this show by and try something else because it might not be for you. That's okay too. But I'm here to try to eradicate the stigma around divorce and try to normalize the conversations around it because even the word divorce in itself holds so much of that weight. And I'll tell you, when I was just finishing my divorce coaching training and I was deciding to name my practice, I remember meeting with some of my girlfriends over wine and we were talking about what I was going to name my divorce coaching practice. And of course, everyone is you know, weighing in all the different names I thought I should name it, from you know, High Road to Happiness to, you know, happy ever after. You know, they were all really excited about how I should be picking this really light and fluffy and fun name because no matter what, you shouldn't use the word divorce. And it was in that moment I thought, wow, this is exactly why I need to use this word. This is why I need to use the word divorce all the time. I need to call my practice Divorce Redefined and I'm gonna use that word constantly in my messaging because the more I use it, the more I can remove the shame of it, the more I can eradicate the stigma and the more I can normalize the message because that is what we're here to be doing. I want you to feel normal. As we talk about divorce, I want to blow the lid off that stigma that continues to grip this concept or life experience so hard in our society. So let's even say the word divorce, 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 right? A million times so that we can feel more comfortable with it. So here on the show, we are going to deep dive deeply into divorce and all of the layers that impact us around marriage, relationships, having a family, and reason being as well is because this is something that I was impacted by personally as a young adult growing up and also as an older adult in my 40s when I left a 22-year marriage. And in the world today, with roughly 90% of people ending up married or in a marriage-like relationship in the course of their lifetime, you know, perhaps you've heard that half of all marriages end in divorce. Nearly 45% of married couples eventually divorce, and that's the reality of it. And over 60% of second marriages and over 73% of third marriages share this fate. So what the hell? Why are we not handling this better? And more often than not, constantly, I think it's the trend that you hear, you always hear about the awful, hurtful stories about divorce. You know, the ones that have left families stripped of their dignity, financially destroyed, and with children destined to pay hefty therapy bills well into their 40s, right? So it's not a wonder so many of us stay unhappily married between the hurtful divorce experiences and the impact it creates on your life and the kids. I mean, I get it. I was one of them. It took me personally five years contemplating leaving my marriage. And within that five years, I honestly engaged in some pretty poor, desperate, and deceitful behavior as a wife. And after working so much through therapy on that, it was because I had this secret wish and hope that it might spur, that my behavior might spur my ex-husband to leave me first. Because I was terrified. I did not want to be the instigator. I did not want to be the one society looked at as ruining her family. I did not want to carry the blame and the shame of ruining all the good things that my husband had going for him. I didn't want to be seen as the mother who left her children. I didn't want to be seen either as that ungrateful bitch who had everything going. He had a house, an affluent neighborhood, the privilege not to have to work, my kids attending private school, a vacation home, you know, several trips a year, memberships at prestigious golf and country clubs, and the freedom to kind of live on not a tight budget. But a typical day for me was like Groundhog Day for many, but a dream for some of you, I'm sure. You know, the stay-at-home mom, the taking care of kids day in, day out, having all the time in the world you want to have exercise class, to cook dinner, to even take tennis lessons, head out for lunch. All of that I had. My life was what many of you would wish for. Except for one thing. I felt invisible. I felt I was there to serve my family to be the perfect wife. And that was it. And when I was younger, you know, I thought I had a clear idea of what happiness looked like. I thought, okay, this is how I'm going to be happy. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. I'm going to choose a life that my parents couldn't provide. So I lived my life with this attitude. You know, I'll be happy as soon as I get into a good university and then when I graduate and then when I get a good job and then when I move into with my boyfriend, you know, and then when I get married and then when I have kids and then when my kids grow up and we can travel, it's always that chase for the next thing. And I was happy. I was happy when I got married. I was happy in this beautiful life where I didn't have to work if I chose not to. I was so happy to stay home and raise my kids. But that satisfaction started tuning out when they got into school. And I was happy being the wife, mother, and socialite until I wasn't. And the unhappiness bubble eventually popped. Everything I did was for others and self-sacrificing myself and my goals for the good of my family was what my mother did. So of course I followed suit. But over time, I began to feel empty, unseen, unheard by my husband, who really never sought to learn more about me on a deeper level, and I felt like a bit of a slave to my family, like a lot of moms tend to feel. I was always making sure that their lives were as easy as possible. And in that process, I felt unappreciated. I felt I had no say when it came to the bigger decisions in our lives about investments, home, career, because I also had no access, nor was I allowed to have, to family finances or be part of that conversation. So I felt alone, a little unfulfilled, a little controlled, and that my voice didn't matter. And whenever I would talk about this unhappiness, which like most of you probably have tried, my ex-husband would remind me of everything we had and that all I was provided for in life, I should be grateful for. And I was grateful. I mean, I really was. I was grateful for all of it. I was grateful for the amazing life that a lot of his parents were providing for us. I was grateful for being able to be a stay-at-home mom. I was grateful for all the experiences. Like I was beyond grateful for my two children that we had. I felt grateful. But it doesn't mean that it still wasn't enough to fulfill that need in us. And I think that many of you can probably relate to that on a certain level. And so, of course, over time, one day, 22 years into this happy life that I had created, I finally hit a wall, burned out, and I couldn't push anymore. And as a result, I left my marriage. And personally, you know, divorce is not something I had on my list to accomplish. I never thought it would happen to me, but I'm not sure why, to be honest. I was raised in a home where my parents were not happy. And as the eldest of four kids, I could not only see their unhappiness, but I could feel it. I even remember sitting my parents down when I was 15 years old, I think, And I told them that they either needed to fix their marriage or they needed to get a divorce because if things stayed the way that they were, I was moving out as soon as I turned 18. I mean, if my parents are listening right now, I'd love to have you tell me a bit more of how this went for you because we haven't had this conversation in a while, but that is how it went for me. And I still remember that conversation to this day. And. I circled back to my mom, maybe a few weeks later, and I asked her like, well, okay, what? okay, what did you guys decide? And she told me that she and my dad had decided that they were going to stay together, quote unquote, for the kids. And as the next few years went by, nothing changed. And at 18, just like I promised, I moved out. You know, at that time, as an 18-year-old, if any of you have teenagers, you know what their thought process is like. I was a typical 18-year-old. I graduated high school, couldn't wait to get on to university. I was in my own head. I was on my own path. I was in my own egocentric world, needing to spread my wings and be free of the small town that I grew up in. I felt that if I stayed there any longer, I was literally gonna go nowhere in my life and I just couldn't deal with my parents anymore either. But the one thing that I never thought about looking back was how me leaving was also abandoning my three younger siblings who stayed there to bear the brunt of what was the worst in the last years of my parents crumbling. And a few years later, my parents finally divorced. But not every divorce is caused by some big life-changing event like infidelity or abuse. And it may simply be the realization that your life isn't going the way that you want it to. You are no longer in love or connected to your spouse on a deep level. And your current situation isn't allowing you to grow in a way that you need and isn't allowing you to pursue happiness in the way that you desire. You kind of feel like you're living with this feeling of mild discontent, almost a complacent numbness where you are just going through the expected motions day in and day out, a little groundhog day-like. So we stay in unhappy marriages because they don't seem that unhappy, right? Until one day we realize just how unhappy we are. Some of us, and I talk to my girlfriend sometimes about this, and I've had this conversation so many times with so many people, but we often spend our marriages in this constant state of flux, right? We're riding the highs and we're scraping by during the lows. We're fighting and arguing and nattering and nitpicking at each other to the point where it becomes almost habitual, like the day doesn't go by that someone isn't nattering and nitpicking at each other. To the point where you think, okay, once something happens, a shoe drops one day and you think, this is it. You know, I'm really done this time. And you have vowed that you are not taking any of this shit anymore. And then, of course, something happens to make you doubt yourself. Maybe you have a wonderful day at the beach with the family. Or you have a romantic dinner at your favorite restaurant for your birthday. And all of a sudden, it feels like old times. But that day out or that date night was an anomaly and quickly your relationship drops back into your regular routine of quiet unhappiness. And whether it's your brain or your heart that ultimately makes the call, you decide to stick it out just a little bit longer because things will get better or they'll be different soon, right? So why are we so unhappy? You know, it astounds me. Sometimes I post on TikTok and that is also a place where you can find me. And over there, it amazes me always how many people resonate with even snippets of my story. I did one the other day about how unhappy was I and the fact that I was 80% happy, but was that good enough for me? You know, it was the 20% that people think, oh, but it was only 20% unhappy. You were 80% good. But what happens if that 20% is more valuable than the 80% good? What happens if that 20% was all of the things that I was needing and that was what was missing? And within that post, so many comments of people just like me, feeling unhappy, unstuck in a place where they don't want to be. And it blows my mind because I think, how are we here? How are we in this place? What kind of life is this for us? Why are so many of us living in this life of emptiness? How can we change it? I mean, it does, it does lie on both of us in a relationship and in a marriage. It's not just one person who needs to make the change, but it does start with one person. And I'll be honest for a second, this might be hard to hear, but if you are in that place where you are stuck and you are contemplating leaving your marriage and you've been contemplating it for years, just waiting it out. You're choosing to be there. And if you're still in that place over time, it's a choice. You get to choose whether you stay or go. Yes, there's a lot of things involved in that decision, it's not that easy, but you get to decide how it's going to go. At this stage of my life, you know, in my mid 40s and in the line of work I do, I often find myself meeting many couples whose marriages are not very happy. You know, in fact, some of them haven't been happy for a really long time. And as good married couples, like we all are, we have trundled along through the long, sleepless, deprived stage of small children and mortgage payments, career influence, and even possible midlife crises, right? All of this is interspersed with sporadic extra efforts to try harder or team together or let's do this better just because being with someone you know and you're unhappy with is easier and much less scary than being alone, right? So to what level of unhappiness and loneliness and possibly abuse do we tolerate in order to see this unsatisfying life of ours through you know what is acceptable to us as individuals and as couples that we give ourselves an easier almost permissible acceptance to be miserable and lonely and even at times sexually frustrated that we will stay in this legal agreement forever you know and surely Honestly, like if we are feeling this way in our marriage, are our partners and our spouses not on some level feeling the same way? Because I would have a hard time believing that if you are so unhappy in your marriage, your spouse isn't feeling some of that unhappiness too. And it's quite amazing how we take our ourselves and we only think about us and so why then is there such surprise when the outcome of this unhappiness of our lives is divorce? You know, at what point do we really start to take some personal responsibility for the demise of our relationships? We look at marriage and marriage is so, in our society, we really think that the one defining factor of a healthy, happy, successful marriage—actually, success being the key word—is based on one thing. You want to know what that one thing is? I bet you anyone could take a guess. A successful marriage in our society is based on the one pure fact or, or piece of inf- piece that it lasts forever. It's longevity. If your marriage lasts forever, then it's a success. And if you think about how it's the place where some of us are the most unhappy, our spouses are sometimes the people that we tell the biggest lies to. Sometimes it's a place where we are not able to be our authentic selves. But if we stay forever, well, then we're a great success. And as we do that generationally over time, what are we teaching our kids? We're teaching our kids to do the same thing. So why do we stay? And why don't we take more responsibility in our relationships? You know, is it the sadness of disappointment and the inability to take responsibility for the end of a marriage or the easier blame game that makes it so hard for us to be accountable for our part, forgive and maybe move on? There are so many reasons why marriages break down, and both parties have to ultimately take responsibility. So as we go into commercial break, I want you to, during that time, reach out, go check over on my Instagram page at Divorce Redefined, even at TikTok. I want you to see the amazing lineup of guests that I have prepared for you for the next 13 weeks of shows. I want you to see if there's anything that resonates with you over on my social media page, because that is where I hang out the most. That is where I find... I will give you a lot of inspiration. My TikTok is at Divorce Redefined as well. And see if anything of that resonates with you because I know that even if you get a snippet of something every day, it might be inspiring and helpful and a little eye opening sometimes along the way. So thank you so much for joining me. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this break.
0: Are listening to Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce with Cindy Stibbard. If you have a question for Cindy or her guests, join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show. Here is Cindy Stibbard.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It's so nice to have you back. If you are just joining us for the first time, this is Cindy Stibbard and this is Divorce Redefined where we talk about all things divorce and changing the experience of divorce. I am a certified divorce coach, a certified divorce specialist. I'm also training to be a discernment counselor. I'm a single mother of two children, a partner, a mother, um, a sister, and a coach. And I truly believe that we need to work on normalizing the language and changing the experience around divorce. We need to eradicate this stigma and really blow the lid off of this topic that is so uncomfortable for most of us to talk about, yet half of our relationships are going through it. Whether it's a marriage or a long-term relationship, Most of us experience this along one path or another, whether it's directly in your life or in the lives of someone close to you, you're familiar with this and you seem to all know that there's one way it goes. And maybe it goes to litigation, maybe it destroys families, maybe it's emotionally and financially devastating, but does it have to be? And my job here and my mission is to really have those hard conversations about how we can do this differently. Because let's be honest, any of you who are here today, who have been married and who are married, marriage is hard, right? I mean, any relationship is hard. We have the good times and the bad times. And for the majority of it, it balances out. But for so many others, the scales can silently dip to a private and undeniable low. How can we move on? in our lives if we choose to stand blameless maybe waving a victim flag or pointing a finger at our spouse or everyone else in our in our life perhaps for the breakdown of our marriage when a marriage breaks down it ultimately requires taking responsibility for our part in the process. Before the break, I talked all about how two parties are responsible for a marriage, you know? And sometimes no matter what side of the divorce process you were on, you do have a part to play. And it's the shock that life hands us sometimes. That is our wake-up call to look at ourselves a little differently. And the fact that we share responsibility for the successes or the breakdown of every relationship that we are in. So the end of a marriage, you know, whether you choose it or not, lies on the shoulders of two people. And that's the two people who say, I do. So we think... Where does this start? You know, how do we get here? Because marriages don't break. Nothing, I mean, we could say that there was an affair, so it broke the marriage, but that whatever led to that affair and we'll get into this in further discussions as this, as the this season goes on but whatever led to that affair there was a breakdown of that marriage prior an affair is only a symptom what was already starting whether we want to believe that or not it's the truth and it is literally an erosion marriage Breaks down, it's an erosion over time. It's like a million little paper cuts that lead to this massive bleed. And sometimes we don't even realize it's happening. But where it can begin is more often than not, we accept from others less than we deserve. You know, whether it be family, friends, our spouse, a boyfriend or girlfriend, or even our everyday acquaintances, we can often allow people to overstep our boundaries and completely disrespect us sometimes. And we're okay with it. So the reality is that what we allow is what will continue. If your interactions with someone leave you feeling unsettled, maybe questioning the truth, or like you have to prove your worth, or even to be someone you're not, you may want to consider, whether it's a friend, a partner, a spouse, if this relationship is really where your energy should be placed. So why do we allow this? Why do we allow people to overstep our boundaries? And believe me, I didn't even know what a boundary was until I got divorced, until I have been doing some serious deep work into this world of boundaries for the last four years. And let me tell you, it is powerful stuff. So we tend to hold on to an unhealthy or unproductive relationship and tolerate disrespect, even if it's very subtle, to fulfill certain needs that we have certain spiritual thirsts, let's say. And I would argue that the central reason for our tolerating of others' bullshit is because we actually lack the understanding of our own worth. In order for us to create relationships in which we don't feel taken for granted or cheated or judged or disrespected or unappreciative, undervalued and unseen, we must first love ourselves enough to set boundaries. And I know that whole love yourself first, people think is so flaky, but it is true. You are unable to show up fully in love with someone else unless you have that love and respect for yourself. Because I did it. I'm guilty of that. The way my marriage went and ended up was because I set the stage for that. I set the stage for my role and how I expected to be treated. And so that's what I got. And those hard conversations at the time were too hard. My ex-spouse and I did not have the communication skills that we needed to be able to dig deep into, into those conversations, really express our needs and feel like we can meet those needs. We weren't setting any boundaries. And I mean, I... I don't think I had boundaries my whole life. Even as a kid, I was always letting anyone, you know, do what they needed to do. I was giving into what everyone needed because that's what I thought a good girl did. But that's not how we can live into our power. And that is not how we can set people up to treat us in a better, more respectful way. So there's this great quote by Anna Taylor. And she says, your time and your energy are precious. It is us who chooses how we use it. We teach others how to treat us by deciding what we will and will not accept. It's pretty good, right? So if you think for yourself, think about yourself. What are your boundaries around how you will and will not be treated and tolerated? Have you had those discussions in your marriage? You know, when is it acceptable or unacceptable to you? And where do you draw the line between tolerance, and your self-worth. And maybe these are discussions that you have not had or that you're afraid to have with your ex-post because of the reaction that you will get. I understand, not all great, the hard conversations are taken well, but there's always a chance for you to start. It's not gonna take one conversation though. It's going to take many. And I, I would really encourage you to start having those conversations now. Don't wait for the shoe to drop. Don't wait for something big to happen to say, okay, I'm out. Start having those conversations now. There was one particularly defining factor that sealed the deal on my final decision to leave my marriage. You know, it wasn't the past betrayals. And yes, betrayals actually happened on both sides of our marriage. It wasn't the emotional neglect. It wasn't the years of being unseen and unheard. It wasn't the lying or the withholding or the defensiveness or the stonewalling or even the covert narcissism. It was this. Regardless of what my marriage looked like through the eyes, through my eyes, or through the eyes of anyone on the outside, all that mattered was how it was seen through the eyes of my children. I looked at them and I thought, Was this the kind of marriage I wanted to model for them? Was this the kind of relationship I wanted them to learn from? Was this the kind of marriage I would want for my kids? Is this this what I'd want for my daughter? You know, was this the kind of mother, wife, person I wanted to be and for them to see? I had to bring myself back to those questions because so many of us stay stuck in an unhappy marriage or a marriage that might not be super unhappy, but just completely void of any emotion and any communication and any connection. Think about what that relationship is teaching your kids. If they see you in constant toxicity, constant fighting, constant tension, constant bickering back and forth or power struggles or control or abuse, how do you think they're going to learn how to be in their own marriage? I mean, that's exactly it. What we do is we are perpetuating this transgenerational cycle by staying where we are. And I'm not saying, oh, it's easier to give up and let go. In fact, it's very much not. It takes a lot of courage to be able to leave a situation you know is no longer good for you or good for your kids. But think about the long-term impact that it's going to have on your children for their own relationships in the future. You know, have they seen healthy communication? Have they seen real love and nurturing? Have they seen connection? Have they seen respect and the way that you can hear each other out and differ on different opinions? Have they seen it? I don't know. That's up to you guys to decide. And in my situation, I don't think we were doing a very good job of that. And I knew that this was not the situation that I wanted them to be in. So I had to constantly bring myself back to that and bring myself back to those questions. And I had to drown out the constant noise that was around me on the outside, convincing me that leaving my marriage was the wrong decision. You know, there's a lot of opinion, as I'm sure many of you have experienced if you've gone down this path, a lot of people want to weigh in on your life, right? A lot of people want to tell you what you should and shouldn't do and how you should and shouldn't do it. Just like if you're ever looking for a divorce lawyer, typically it's a person who's giving you a name is not divorced, but a lot of people have a lot to say. So I knew that I had to quiet the noise and really listen to me, listen to my heart, listen to my intuition. So I spent a few years after my divorce emerging from a mental fog and exploring layers of my own self-limiting beliefs. You know, after divorce, I didn't become a different person or figure out who I was. Like many people seem to assume to be happening to you after you choose a path of divorce, right? Because why, why else would a woman leave her affluent life and husband, right? When one leaves a marriage, it's like a societally assumed midlife crisis is happening. Like society has more trouble understanding also when it's the woman's choice. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, she's just lost. She's confused. She's trying to find herself, you know, insert eye roll emoji here. There is no new person that has come of my divorce. I'm not on a journey to find myself because I was never lost. What resulted from my decision to leave my marriage has been just a stronger, brighter, more confident, more authentic me. And in the process of choosing divorce, I shed many layers of fear, self-doubt and living my life to please others at the expense of myself. I left behind the idea that as long as I was in a good enough marriage, had a comfortable lifestyle, had enough money that I didn't have to worry, had a nice roof over my head, a car to drive, privileged choice of not working, this very comfortable lifestyle, then that was as good as it was going to get. And I had thought I should be okay with that. But as I peeled off the layers that became my identity as a wife, mother, a homemaker, a caretaker, a pleaser of others, and a beck and call girl, I pushed aside the fear that kept me in my marriage and became an advocate for myself again. I chose to cultivate and practice self-awareness and self-love and self-education, which I still do on a daily basis in order to create a fuller and richer and more connected life with purpose and intention. Because don't we all want to live that way? Don't we all want to wake up in the morning and feel like I have a purpose? I have a reason to be here and I'm living into that purpose? Because the more we do, what comes from that is this amazing feeling of serenity and fulfillment that I never experienced before. So I changed. And as I change, change is hard. Change is so hard. Most people don't want change because they don't know how to do it. They know it requires work and a lot of people aren't ready for it. But change is about peeling back the layers and taking off the masks that we wear to live up to the roles society expects of us. I had the best game face when I was married. Everything that bothered me, you were never going to see that on my face. But change is about being courageous enough to show up vulnerably and be real in our own skin. You know, divorce can sometimes feel like the end of your life. I understand. We've been so committed to this person. We've built a life. We don't know how to get through this loss and this grief. It is the end of your marriage, though. And that means that it may be the end of how you thought your life was going to play out, or the dream of happily ever after that we all have on our wedding day. But is it the end of your life? Not even close. In fact, your divorce can be your opportunity to really positively transform your life and your future in ways that you might not see right now in ways that you never thought possible because let me tell you from my personal experience of divorce it has brought me a full new career i mean it's brought me to you I would never be in this place right now doing what I do if I hadn't got divorced. I would never be trying to change something that needs to be changed. I would never be trying to support all of you out there who I really feel could use support. And because of that, I found happiness within myself that I didn't think I'd ever find. I thought that being in an okay marriage was as good as it was going to get. So for most of my 22-year relationship, it never occurred to me that my life plan was going to change or that my marriage would end, but slowly over time, it did. And I stayed up late into the night, feeling stuck and alone, and I began to realize that while I stayed in this marriage, I wasn't going to be who I wanted to be. Like, was I afraid? Fuck yeah. Yeah. I was terrified. I didn't work for 11 years. I was a stay-at-home mom. I was terrified about the future and had no idea how I was going to support myself moving forward. Was I making the right decision? Was I going to mess up my kids? Is everyone going to shun me? Am I going to end up a destitute bag lady under the bridge somewhere? But regardless of those fears I had, I knew in my heart I had to take the risk. I had to. And people ask me sometimes, do I regret it? No, I don't. I look back at my marriage with nothing but happiness because that was my love story then. And it gave me two of the best gifts I could have ever asked for, my children. I needed to be there and stay for that reason and that reason alone. It taught me things that I needed to learn. And out of that, I got extended family who I love. And I do not look at my choice with any regret because it provided me an opportunity to learn, grow, change, and finally live life on my terms. So yes, divorce is an ending, but it is only the end of a marriage that wasn't really working anyway. Your best life is ahead of you. And like my favorite author of all time. Mel Robbins says, there is no right time. There is only right now. So I hope today that you've been inspired to continue to join me on this journey every Wednesday on Voice America, the Empowerment Channel from 12 until 1 p.m. Pacific time, because I'm going to bring you on this journey of empowerment with me. We're going to learn about relationships, marriage, divorce, co-parenting, how to show up as the best parent you can be during divorce. We're going to talk about money and finances. Next week, Kelly LaVallee joins me. She's a friend of mine. She's an amazing certified divorce financial analyst. She just wrote this incredible book called Untying the Knot. It's about her own divorce experience and the importance of finances in your life as an empowered woman, and in your marriage. And please don't hesitate to listen anywhere that podcasts are broadcast. Give me a rating so that I can continue to bring you the best content and the best guests on the show. And I am so happy to have you here. I can't wait for you to join me, and I will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week.